Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast number 79. Today we're going to be talking with Dan Davis of Calvary Chapel Mountain Home, Idaho, on the subject of ministering in a community with a shifting population. Many pastors have felt this tension. You build on a foundation of the gospel, the vision of the Great Commission, the ministry of the Word of God, and the people. And the wise pastor invests in people, people that we assume will be with us for a while. And then, bam, they're gone. Well, Dan Davis pastors in Mountain Home, Idaho, which is a community like that. It's about 45 miles east of Boise. And during his years of ministry in Mountain Home, the Lord has enabled Dan and his wife, Kim, to lead such a congregation. So I just want to thank you, Dan, for being available to share with us. This is going to be an important and wonderful podcast. Well, thank you, Bill. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be able to share and, and uh, hopefully let others learn from uh, some of the things I'm learning on this journey as well. So, <laughs> Amen. Well said. Well, I've been impressed by what you've done and how the Lord has led you to lead in a community like yours, Dan. So I uh, appreciate your insights. So here's the first question. I, I think it would be good if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in Mountain Home, how long the church has been, has been going, that type of thing. Yeah, well, so I, I uh, born and raised in Boise, grew, grew up there in Idaho. I was uh, a seven-day recreationalist, you could say. I would just live for recreation and um, got married. Um, my wife, Kim, we've been married uh, 37 years now. Um, I grew up with a, a Mormon background, and, and my wife had a Jehovah Witness background, we came to faith through the work God was doing at Calvary Chapel Boise. Um, as young Christians, we, you know, we experienced grace, uh, forgiveness. We uh, really took the, the new life serious in very practical ways. You know, we had to rethink parenting, uh, our marriage relationship, and how to serve. And, and really, we, it was very, as we know the scripture to describe this life, transformative. I had worked at, uh, in a trucking industry, you know, doing, uh, paint and body work. I did that for about 20 years. And then, uh, God opened the door for me to serve full time in ministry work. Um, while I was serving there at, uh, Calvary Chapel Boise, I had an opportunity to lead a small group here in Mountain Home. Uh, as you mentioned, about 45 miles east of Boise, kind of out into the desert. Um, we began leading that group together, my wife and I, and then that just kind of grew into an opportunity for a Sunday morning worship service, and and now we're 20 years later uh, in Mountain Home, uh, joyfully serving Jesus here, and, and really, it's exciting even still to, to see God's work in this community. Yeah, and that's the, the first time I came to visit you guys, and you know, you asked me if I would speak on a Sunday morning, and I saw the the layout there, the facilities you have, it just spoke of order, it spoke of cleanliness, it spoke of purpose, and it was impressive. And I just know that the Lord has done a good work, not just with facilities, but in the people. I imagine that there are a number of reasons why a community's population might fluctuate and people would move in and move out, that kind of thing. The economy, of course, affects, affects certain population bases. 
employment opportunities, where are the jobs, family-related moves, people uh, move to be closer to or further from their relatives. (laughs) 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 A divorce takes place sometimes. Uh, Cultural deterioration where it almost becomes unlivable for some to live in in a given community. I think it would be helpful if you'd describe Mountain Home and why your place of ministry could be described as having a shifting population. Yeah, I think uh, maybe you know there's probably three uh, aspects or elements that I think would would fit in that qualifying, so to speak. Um, for one, we're we're close proximity to Boise. Uh, it's just straight down the interstate. Idaho has one interstate running through it. Very unique state, quite honestly, and and it passes right through. So we're basically 35 minutes from Boise. Some would refer to that as a bedroom community. So. Um, with that, you know, we are, have a lower cost of living. And so, um, than Boise. So some live here because they can't yet afford Boise. And so when they have opportunity, they move back to Boise or over to Boise. Uh, another thing you mentioned about like a deteriorating, uh, cultural deterioration. Uh, we see it, 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 well, it's, it's a small community, kids growing up there, they want to go to the big city. And so so those dynamics, as you mentioned. But the, definitely the, the biggest factor would be the military base, the United States Air Force base here in Mountain Home. And so that dynamic brings people in on a, on a pretty consistent basis, uh, in a sense, of duration. But they're changing. It changes all throughout the year, people coming and going. And so uh, on top of that, there's also a National Guard presence uh, working in, in cooperation or, you know, joined with uh, the United States Air Force. And then the Singapore Air Force also has what they call an overseas detachment, which is a, pers- a significant presence on, at Mountain Home for their F-15 training. So all of that, you know, is the biggest factor is the military. You know, um, the, mil- the people come and go. Um, some of our ministries here are, are, are likewise Related to transitional type stuff, you know, our high school youth ministry was like everyone else's, you know, it changes every couple of years. Our jail ministry, we know we want people to leave that ministry, <laughs> go into a different one. You know what I mean? So um, anyway, it, 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 uh, that's, those are the big factors, of course, you know, that the military presence, you know, is, is the biggest one. So, Yeah, well, I served, as you know, in Monterey for many years, and there is a military presence there. It doesn't uh, encompass the percentage of the population that Mountain Do- Home does, but we did have the Defense Language Institute, the Naval Postgraduate School. We had Fort Ord in its day. So there was a significant military presence there, and the people that would come to our church, if they were co- coming from the Navy School, these were officers. They were getting their graduate degrees. So these were high-functioning adults and then, you know, but every military that we had come into our church was a was a quality act, was a class person. And I I remember, you know, just that that whole thing. And then Monterey itself is so expensive, people couldn't live there very long. So I, I'm just going to tell a little story and then have you comment on it, because I'm sure some of it's, you know, consistent with what you've experienced. But I was very frustrated with this. I remember visiting a city in the Central Valley speaking there one time and longing for what they had. Their population never shifted. And I think, what would it be like to pastor in an area where people never leave and they never, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so we were on an outreach down in Mexico with Horizon. 
And I was in a conversation at lunchtime with some of the folks from Horizon Christian Fellowship. And they had the same kind of an issue, a lot of changing of population. And I thought, well, how do you deal with that? And I asked them, and, and they said, you know, we just believe that if God brings them to us for a single Sunday, then that's what he brings them to us for. And so we do the best we can to minister to them for that Sunday. They belong to him, and so we allow the shift to be his responsibility. And that really did free me up quite a bit and uh, and helped quite a bit in, in our area. So how about you? What, have you experienced something similar? Yeah, I have a little background. I don't have personally in my family any military background. You know, not like I have a I have a cousin that was military, but you know, really it wasn't anybody in my new grandparents or anybody that served. Well, some of the grandparents served in military. So coming to Mountain Home, I really didn't think through what we would call the demographics of the community and stuff like that. I just knew God had did a work in that Bible study and it grew to Sunday and so then while we're there, we're, we're starting to realize, like, man, it, where are all these people going? They were here. Now they're gone. And, and so we, we started then having to realize, man, this is the nature of the community. And it was. It was difficult at first because kind of being a little bit blind about that, as I've said, um, we, uh, we just didn't realize how it went. The plus to it was I hadn't served as a, as a lead pastor anywhere either. So I had no reference to how it, quote, normal is. This was normal, you know. So a lot of it then became, you know, realizing, um, you know, there is a, it's a, it's almost, it's a false assumption. It, it's a borderline selfish assumption where we're like, um, we just assume people will stick around and, and the church will be a certain way. It's, it's really almost subconscious. But when it changes, and then like you had mentioned, it's constantly shifting, um, you just kind of take a new mindset. Like, okay, I, I got to realize this is his church, you know, and if he brings someone in like they shared at Horizon for a weekend or whatever, we get people coming into the church that are just there for training. They're just there for two, three weeks. They've been from another base. It's a blessing to see them plug in and just, you know, be fed or serve for two, three weeks and then move on. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's good. You know, it's mindset is really a big perspective, a big, big part of, um, stay in the course. Either embrace it or fight it or be bitter about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. So, yeah, it's, it's really easy to say it's his church. But truthfully, when we're in leadership, we, we inadvertently, it's our church. And, and there's ways that God reminds us that it's his church, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if he brings in, you know, someone that we can serve alongside. And, and so here's something that happens. Sometimes people will say, Hey, I, I got orders. I'm leaving in, in, you know, three months. So I, I, you know, regret not getting plugged in, but you know, maybe I'll get connected in the next duty station. I'm like, you got three months. That's awesome. Why don't you just connect with the ushers? And I, so I, the one guy had three weeks. He's like, I'm only going to be here three weeks. I thought, that's great. You know, uh, you're very friendly, very engaging. You clearly love the Lord. Could you serve alongside Bill and these other two guys here ushering for a couple of those weeks? He goes, yeah, but I'm not going to be here, but only three weeks. I said, that's awesome. That's three more. I mean, we may get raptured out of here before that, that. So we're all good. I just you love know? That. So, that's so great. Yeah. Dan. So, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> a couple of things, you know. Um, we found that you were know, our key, you know, in doing that, and you know, in, in looking back, as you you know mentioned to me about having this podcast. Um, I think the keys, you know, I have to realize 
the circumstances I serve in and, and knowing that God does lead. And so, you know, some of the keys are when I meet someone, I want to hear about their relationship with Jesus. Mm. You know, um, we have a dynamic of people coming from the Bible Belt, from the East Coast, all over the U.S. You know, really, it's a, in my opinion, I think I could obviously support it. Um, we're probably the most diverse racially, ethnically, almost in every aspect city in in the state of Idaho because of that military presence and the Singapore dynamic and other things. And so, you know, when people come in, you know, they have some of that Christian jargon or maybe you know, just different things. So I want to hear about their relationship with Jesus not and not their church experience as far as history. I, I want to hear about their relationship with Jesus. And then as I, I have a sense of where they're at, so to speak, um, I, I want to help them identify their calling. And the third thing is I want to help them grow in their calling. And it's really almost too simplistic, you know, but it helps me in, in managing a lot of things that change all the time. Th- those three things in a personal way is, is, is exciting because when someone sees their calling and they didn't know it and they get there and then they start growing in it, you, you know they're gone in you know, six months or a year or maybe a little longer. Some do have a longer duration depending on their, their um, you know, vocation and everything. So, but anyway, it, it, uh, it, those three things really help, you know, help them to hear about their relationship with Jesus, identify their calling, and then grow in that calling, you know. So. Well, that's, that's well done. We're going to take a pause right now and a quick 20-second break. You're listening to a conversation with Pastor Dan Davis of Mountain Home, Idaho, on the subject of successfully ministering in a community with lots of people movement. So please hang in there because we're going to be right back. You've been listening to Strength for Today's Pastor. Poinman Ministries appreciates your participation and prayers. If you'd like to help financially support this podcast, you can go to our website at poinmanministries.com forward slash donate. Thank you. So Dan, as we left off, you were talking about some of the keys to ministering in your area, which is a shifting population, much of which is military driven. And I love what you said. You were talking about going to the people and learning the people. What is their relationship with Jesus like? What is their calling? Maybe you ask them about their spiritual gifts. I'm sure you do. And then you help them grow in their calling in relationship to living in that community and in your church family. That's, that's not commonly done by pastors. So well done. And, and, uh, what has been the response to you? Obviously, you know, you got the, the guy that's there for three more weeks and you learn him real quickly. And then you say, okay, plug into ushering for a couple of weeks. That's wonderful. You've, you've set a new pattern in that, that man's brain about what his next duty station is going to be like for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I use this analogy. If I have a hundred bucks, five twenties in my wallet and I have requirements for three of those twenties, I still have two left. So if I have five weeks to serve, but three of them I can't, I don't, want to throw away those two weeks. I don't want to throw away those two $20 bills because it's just that simple, you know. And, and But these guys that come in are so, you know, focused on character. They're men of integrity, men and women who, when they say something, they want to stand for what they say. So the, the, the drawback to that, sometimes they don't want to commit to a five-week thing when they can know they, they know they can only be there for two. Yeah. 
And I'm like, hey, two's better than than none. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's I don't don't think about well, what do people say if I'm not there all the time? They, you're military. <laughs> you, it's, you've made this other commitment. So, anyway, it's been really good to to be able to encourage him, and, and we see people grow. A quick story: a guy by the name of Carlos joins a Air Force out of Texas, wants to see the world, gets stationed at Mountain Home, does his entire <laughs> enlistment in Mountain Home. But it was so it's such a that's a beautiful story. I get goosebumps telling him because he's such a neat guy. So he comes to Mountain Home, gets saved. You know, God does the work, brings him into a relationship with him. And then he just starts just just soaking up the word. I mean, he's just into everything. He's just absorbing it. Um, he starts playing guitar, learning how to do that. Uh, pretty shy person, you know. But anyway, he's just kind of picking things up. He then goes back to Austin because he joined to also get, you know, the GI Bill money to help him with school and, you know, further his education. So after he leaves Mountain Home, he goes back to the University of Texas, starts a Bible study on campus, continues to grow in his, you know, calling. I believe he actually led uh, worship at CC Austin for a while, may still be. I mean, the last time we stopped and visited him, he's a beautiful story of what we do in the body of Christ. Yeah, you know, he he's serving somewhere else, and so we're raising up people that are serving somewhere else. Somebody else in the body has ministered to someone and done that same thing, and they get assigned here. There are children's ministry support. There are helping person here. You know what I mean? It's, it really is. It's beautiful when you kind of back away and just see what God's doing in, in overall the body of Christ. You know, so. That's a kingdom perspective. We're, we're building the kingdom of God. We're not just building our local fellowship and our own local thing. So it's a giving attitude, which is great. Yeah. You know, I, I think that this concept of learning the people, finding out about their relationship with Jesus, helping them identify their calling, and then help them grow in that calling. That's so transferable to any community, whether they have a shifting population or not. So in my experience as as a transitional pastor in different situations, we've discovered how important that is, just sitting down with people for an hour or so, asking them questions, doing maybe 5% of the talking. They do 95% of the talking. It's incredible what those hours or hour and a half meetings mean. Yeah. And they always have said the same thing, Dan. It's been amazing. Maybe you've had this experience. They've said, Pastor, it's been so great to get to know you. Yeah. And I thought, how could this be? I mean, I did 5% of the talking and they did 95% Mm -hmm. of the talking. How is it they feel like they know me? And the conclusion that I arrived at after this reoccurring many, many times, was that when a people know or feel like their pastor knows them, they feel they know their pastor. And so there's a connection there. And this is what people that come into our fellowships need. Wouldn't you agree? They need to feel a connection, not with the church for sure, but they need to feel a connection with their pastor. And what a great way for that to happen, for the pastor to sit down and just listen to them, talk to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think that is so important that we don't see it just, I mean, I, my dynamic, I know that, that it's a little more, it's a shorter window of time I have engagement, but that should be my practice as a person, a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe, you know, people want to tell their story. I don't think it's ego-oriented or egocentric. I just think 
I mean, that's what Jesus did. He listened to the woman at the well. He he engaged with individuals, even though there's a lot of people around. And and I think as we do that, there's two things that happen. For one, that individual we're 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 learning from as they're sharing their story, and it's changing our heart. It's preparing our messages. There's a lot of things that are happening there. But we're also we have that observation. In other words, others are aware of how we engage, and they're following that example that you know, just sitting with people. We have a lot of people that come through that are transitional in a sense. They're going from, say, Boise, they're just, they make it to there and they run out of gas. You know what I mean? Or there's always this, you know, we call it, we see it maybe as a form of panhandling. But one thing I've learned is whenever possible, even if it means making some pretty good sacrifice or adjustments, I like to sit down with those people and hear their story. I don't offer cash. I don't, you know, get their fuel tank filled real fast or whatever. I just want to hear them as a, and it's fascinating. I have so many that will sit there and talk about their life story and they don't ask for anything when they leave. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're still in a pinch and stuff, but where you're knit together, which is fascinating is you hear their story and it changes my heart from sitting in a study and doing things, you know, in an an office or a box or whatever. Um, It helps me to see people. And it models to other people, you know, that that we should just be, you know, connecting with people in whatever way we can. So our our outreach, you know, kind of model, so to speak, and we we go out into the smaller towns nearby, Grandview, Bruno, uh, King Hill, um, you know, uh, Glens Ferry, that kind of thing, is put your feet on the street and just see what God will do. What will happen if you just show up at that community and eat lunch in a cafe you probably aren't going to appreciate, but hey, you're going to meet people, you know, or you're going to buy something from a store that's a little overpriced, but you're going to engage with a person. And it is fascinating, you know, and, and we so we, we even model that with the military. The military doesn't have the option to go on mission trips. You know, many of these guys have restrictions that prevent that even before COVID. And so to be able to model a day thing or just engage in these certain ways, they then see how, you know, evangelization and reaching and just living out the gospel can be done in their life in so in very simple ways without having to go somewhere to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's exciting. You know, mm-hmm. so. Well, there's two things that are evident to me, Dan, about your approach. And one is that uh, you have a kingdom perspective. And so you have them for a limited time. And this and these people are going to benefit the kingdom of God in the future wherever they go. And the second thing that is evident to me is that you consider the people that come into your fellowship, they are God's people and they are a tremendous resource. So you go to them not to get something from them, but you go to them to learn them and and to help them discover the way that they are a resource and a key and integral part of what God wants to do anywhere that they might be. And that's, a, again, a, a wonderful thing. We're not building the kingdom of our church. We're building the kingdom of God. Right. That's so, so important that we keep that perspective. I'd like to say I'm smart, and I figured that out and planned that ahead of time. I, I didn't. I'm just, you know, learning as I go. I have been discouraged, even disappointed, and I find myself just connecting with people, and God takes someone who seems to be in need and, and I'm actually the one in need, and he ministers to me through that conversation, through that person. I'm formed and shaped as a leader by my engagement with the people that God brings into the community. And, and, it, and if I'm teachable, if I'm humble, if God will, God will keep me where he wants me to be, then I, I believe, you know, it's going to shape his, 
his body. And we see it, you know. And so um, there's there's three things. I, I call it our E statement. It's mm-hmm. very simple. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've found because we are transitional, as you can understand, and you and I have had this conversation, you know, appointing leadership, elders and stuff, you know, you don't, I don't have a, a year to get to know them. You know, I don't have, a, you know, that traditional thing where you can kind of really build this beautiful relationship. I, I, I just don't have that time, you know, so I've got to be able to somehow connect and get it. And so I have to keep things simple. I have to, like I mentioned about the relationship, help them identify their calling, grow in their calling. Our, our E statement, you know, is to evangelize. I imagine it as bubbles. So we have the bubble that we draw on a wall or dry erases evangelization. And so to proclaim, we, we want to reach people with the gospel, as I've talked about. But we also realize that there's a bubble of edifying, to edify the body of Christ. And so as someone comes to faith, we're to help them grow in that faith and to be built up. And so there's evangelize and to edify. But as that person is built up in the body, then you also, as they're growing in the word, it seems to be we then see that they're they're equipped, their gifting starts to become evident, and there, there's, a, there's a, an awareness. This guy is really kind and compassionate, and he has this Barnabas hospitality attitude. So we see him then their gifting being revealed, so they're now equipped for the work of the ministry. And so those three things, I, I literally, our church, I, my, in my mind all the time, these are the three things, evangelization, edification, equipping the saints. And the bubbles kind of shift as far as what the work may be. It may be edifying on top. You know, and evangelization is, evangelizing is something that may happen because a friend came to a discipleship deal or whatever. But you see what I'm saying? Those three mm-hmm. things keep it simple for me as a leader because I, I want to make sure I'm doing those things and not getting caught up. You know, I believe personally, just churches, we have a tendency to inc- to create our own workload. We we tend to overcomplicate things in trying to serve and create these things that help people. And quite honestly, we need to back away from some of that, in my opinion, and and model servanthood. But you know, allow people to step up and step in and to 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 stand on their with their own spiritual balance and to grow. And so we've really tried to focus on keeping things super simple, but but very precise, so to speak, if we could. So. I think a lot of church discipleship, Dan, um, tends to work from the church's programs to the people. In other words, we're looking for people that can fit in the niche that belongs to that program. So we're discipling them into our program, which there's a place for that to a degree. But what you're talking about is equipping the people for who they are in Christ and letting that become part of the program whatever the program is, just naturally, organically, relationally. Yeah, yeah. The disciples that Jesus one-on-one discipled had no clue what they're going to do after mm. his ascension. Mm-hmm. And we actually don't have a clue what some of them did, quite honestly. Right. You know, we would, we'd add 12 step for the 12 apostles. We'd have had all this stuff organized. Uh-huh. Instead, it, it, they just had to live their life. And I have a saying that I share frequently, and I, I, sometimes it takes some explanation, but live out the love you've been given. Yes. So if you know you're saved and you know, you know, that love has changed you, let it be expressed. Live it out. And 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 so for me, I want that to happen. You know, I, I don't really the, the the drawback or the challenge to this type of ministry is you don't have that deep camaraderie that comes through 
quite honestly, years and sometimes decades of, of engagement. We live at a beautiful time with the digital dynamic. So I stay connected with people all over. I mean, we have people that have been serving sent maybe somewhere else, come to Mountain Home. I'm praying, hoping they grew and some of them I can see their progress was evident. And then they're serving in another place. We have military presence in, in France, in uh, New Zealand, in Spain. I mean, I could rattle off all these different places, the small pockets of military presence where people are now serving. And so it's like, it's awesome. Like, wow, those people have come through here. They're involved somewhere else and they're growing and, and, and moving along. And so, you know, for us, I just think, you know, we just want to make sure that we are faithful to what God has called us to do. And I believe the body of Christ is strengthened by people that you would have maybe sent from Monterey that maybe have ended up in Mountain Home uh-huh. and, and they were strengthened by there and then they went on and started something or just they just grew in their walk, you know, and that's what we want to see. Yeah, Uncle Sam did not know that they were funding a missionary movement. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I jokingly say, you know, we're our dynamic's different, so the government pays for the transfer to get someone saved, evangelization. They uh, allow us to disciple them and then they send them out into the mission field so they're they're paying for all the transportation exactly. and covering housing it's just great it's, it's it's a it's a great practice the government has established for the kingdom of god yeah yeah <laughs> well there's one other transferable concept that comes to my mind dan from what we're talking about you talked about how that you don't have time if it's a military person we're talking about you don't have the time to wait for years before you can put them in a position of leadership. Uh, but rather, you have to identify certain characteristics right away and then slide them into different roles. Uh, but the thing that the military people have, and you mentioned this earlier, is they tend to be high-character people. So you have that already. But the transferable part is, let's get on with this. Let's, let's get these folks as ready or as identified as possible to be in different leadership roles. Why tarry? Why wait? Let's go for it. Not to lay hands yeah. on, on people too suddenly. That would be a mistake. But if they are high character people, that's the quality and the qualifications for ministry anyway, right? It is. It really is. Uh, you know, I look at it with a weird word, you know, phrase, so to speak, is patient urgency. Mm. You know, it sounds like a contradiction, but, you know, we don't have a lot of time. And, and I didn't realize that early on. And so I missed a lot of people because I just was used to the church family. I got saved through that work at Calvary Boise. I visited a couple of churches, but that was our church home. And that we, 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 God just settled us in there and we grew. Well, naturally, subconsciously, I would assume that's how it is in churches. Well, I'm now leading a church. It's not that way at all. Mm. And so I started realizing I don't have a lot of time, but yet I'm not to scurry about in a panic. Right. You know, I, if, if God is going to do a, a work in a certain way, he's going to put people there. The Lord of the harvest will provide perfectly for the work he's going to do. And so keeping that in mind, think, okay, I, I just I got to be prompt. And uh, one example, and I don't advise this. I mean, this is not a, a, a model to follow. But I had a guy serve as an elder, and I'd only known him for, I asked him after two weeks. Two weeks, seriously. But 
there's a couple factors. One of uh, a person who knew him had served with him in another place, who was also one of our elders. Uh, when that man came into our uh, community and was was there, um, I rely a lot on observation. You know, so I, I like to see peripherally. I'm in the lobby talking with people. I'm noticing how's that person engaged, how things happening with people, how you know, it's, it's kind of easy to fake it a little bit, but you'll see details when things are fraudulent. Well, anyway, just in observing this person's engagement, his kindness, his interest in people, you know, the Lord just confirmed, yeah, you know, he's to serve as an elder. And he did. He served, you know, full, you know, till he had to leave, you know. And even then, we have elders sometimes serve from a distance. You know, some of these guys are serving as an elder, but they're they're over in the desert. They're, you know, serving somewhere miles away, of course. So we've changed some ways we meet. We use, uh, you know, digital Type, you know, we'll, we'll email the agenda, discuss, I think, you know, discuss things differently, you know. But it's, to me, it's exciting. We just, we just need to realize there's a, there should be in all of our lives a calmness, yet a patient urgency, you know. People need to know the gospel. We're, we're either going to be raptured out of here quick, in my opinion, or, you know, I mean, things are just really weird in 2020. And it's a good thing. I'm glad some of these things are happening. I'm glad there's disruption. I'm glad normal is not normal anymore because it was it, it bred complacency in many things. But that's another podcast for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what you're talking about here, you're not alone. Paul the Apostle was in the churches of Galatia, that region, on his first missionary journey just for three weeks or so. And he had to appoint yeah. elders before he left. And then in Thessalonica, uh, apparently three yeah. weeks or so. So yeah, Titus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Titus. So there was a sense of uh, patient urgency, as you put it, yeah. with Paul, but always in tune with the Holy Spirit and what he was doing, looking at a person's character and that kind of yeah. thing. And it becomes evident to us. So you got some other things I know you want to share in, in terms of summary. Yeah, well, just uh, like, you know, an experience that happened back in 08, 09, somewhere around there. You know, I spend a lot of time walking and hiking in the desert because I can. You know, it works for me. It's close. And I've adapted a actual love for the desert. But anyway, I was hiking one time and I was listening, just working through some real challenges. And, and I just happened to listen to Chris Tomlin's God of the City. And it has been kind of a, a refreshing song to me. About every six months or a year, it just seems to be there, you know, it's like, okay. And it, 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 one of the parts of it is, you know, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. And so I have to just keep remembering, man, there's new people. I mean, I have new people. There's like every church. I mean, we have new people every month. And actually, we have them every week, and I think most people do, either online or on site. We have new people that are hungry for the Lord or they're seeking Him. And may we not get drawn down in our experience, in our longevity, that we lose that sense of joy and excitement. I, there's, there's, God's going to do a greater work in Mountain Home. You got bringing new people in. It's a fresh work. It's a fresh thing. I don't want to be the old stale guy. I want to be fresh. And, and so that is, his timing's perfect. He brings in the right people at the right time. He said, listen, I'm the Lord of the harvest. And so if things are lacking, you're out there serving. 
pray to the Lord of the harvest to bring more servants into his harvest, you know, and I, and I believe those things we talked about, evangelization, edification, equipping, are all elements of the harvest, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so it makes it, it keeps it, you know, I have to, I have to it's, it's not easy, I mean, I have to remind myself, hey, this is what he's doing, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of it, I want to be, you know, fresh, I want to be renewed daily because he is doing a good work and I want to be a part of it. You had mentioned observation earlier, looking at that guy that you uh, ordained to be an elder just after a couple of weeks. But, you know, on another point, people are observing you, Dan. They're watching your life, and they're watching how this is a priority to you. And so the Lord is using you and Kim to be a model for the kind of culture in the church in Mountain Home that is going to be helpful for that city. And, and it's so true. Pastors everywhere need to understand that the way they live their lives is going to help shape the culture of that church. And the people often will emulate uh, that attitude or that, uh, that manner of life that the pastor has. Or people will come to the church that has uh, the same kind of manner of life in the pastor that they're looking for. Yeah. Either way, it, it's it's a, the power of influence. So yeah. keep it up. And if you ever do get encouraged, just give me a call. I'll be happy to yeah. tell you you're doing a great job <laughs> anytime. Because <laughs> yeah. I think you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, one thing that helps is if, if all of us we can just remember the small thing is the big thing. You know, we naturally gravitate to a big outreach and a big this, and we want to reach people. It it, it doesn't work if the small thing's not the big thing. Mm-hmm. That meeting that person, being punctual, being reliable, yeah. being available. We have a, we took a, a, a kind of what I I look at as far as just uh, our our direction, if you would, as a group. You know, we I take the word staff, not being paid, but staff should be spiritual, spiritual. Teachable, available, flexible, and faithful. And if you think about that, that that's what I, I, those things help me. That's just a spiritual, uh-huh. teachable. Am I that way? Yeah. I mean, or am I just a recreational pastor that wants to tell me to take me boating? You know what I mean? Or you know, spiritual, teachable, available, flexible, and faithful. You actually take fats, which people have used. You flip it around and throw another <laughs> F on there, and you got the same thing. You know, but it's really helpful to me to to realize that that's you know, we model the the little thing. Because we learned it from Chuck, yeah. you know, we've, we've had other mentors in our life. And if you, the common denominator, I believe, is they love the Lord in their details and the little things. Not not OCD, but just they literally just, they, you know, you see what I'm saying? And then yeah. the big things, you know, a harvest crusade is a big thing because small things happen. Yes. You know, so that kind of thing. You're so, right. Yeah. You're right. Well, in talking about this whole approach, ministering in a congregation or in a community with a shifting population, that means that the the measure, the metrics change, you know, in a community like that. How, the ways we measure ministry success. So, in your in your situation, how would you measure ministry success living in and ministering in Mountain Home with the shifting population dynamic? Well, you know, I think it's something that um, is so important for all of us, not just my role. And, and that's why we're having this podcast, because we see how these dynamics, these principles fit really every believer's life. And not to be oversimplistic, but it really is the, the profound part. How do I measure success? Uh, faithfulness. You know, faithfulness. I'm called not to be the most efficient, most effective, most dynamic pastor. I, I want to be that within the skill set he's given me, 
But ultimately, I'm, I'm called to be faithful, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I believe it's such a, a simple point, you know, because Jesus said, you know, you'll hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so a faithful servant, there's just simple dynamics, I believe, that are important. To be a servant, I got to know who the master is. And then if he, I know, when I know who the master is, especially when I know the nature of the master, I'm to to listen to what the master has to say. Mm-hmm. And then I'm to serve the master with all the uh, ability and, and all the resources he's entrusted to me as a steward servant. And so really, it still comes, it always wraps around faithfulness, you know. Mm-hmm. Without faith, it is, as we know, mm-hmm. it's impossible to be pleasing before the Lord, to please him. And so mm-hmm. I, I try to keep that real. And I believe as Christians, it's our challenge mm-hmm. because, you know, if we can be intimate, personal, and faithful with Jesus— in our all our relationships, we're going to be aware of His presence in a greater way, mm-hmm. and being aware of His presence affects our practices, mm-hmm. what we do, how we talk to people. I don't care if you're with your fishing buddies or hunting buddies or work buddies. When you're aware of His presence, it affects your vocabulary, it affects your attitude, it affects, and so it, it's all together with faithfulness. So mm-hmm. that's how I try to measure because none of the other things work. You know, <laughs> uh, we can't, we don't have a mission board to be able to show where we have all these people. I'm actually going to put one up, and I'm just going to make it look so amazing. I'm going to put all these dots where people are serving. So I'm going to I'm going to inf- I'm going to cover the whole globe. Oh, that'll and be it's so good. You know, I mean, it, it, it really. Would, but, it, but then it, then I thought, well, that's kind of self centered a little bit because a lot of those people that came here, somebody else already did the the groundwork. They already built them up, and then they come and served me, and then I get to plug them in. So anyway, I, I got different colors of dots I'm going to use, and I'm going to show how these you know kind of, right. you know, it's to, to help keep us in a the right perspective. We're just called to be faithful. And if I can be somehow faithful in Mountain Home and an encouragement to a young airman who's just starting out with his family, you know, a lot of people, they join, I'll say this delicately, but they don't join because they're patriots for many. They join because they're wise people and they want to take care of their family and they need consistent income and they got laid off from that seasonal job and, and they love their, they want to be responsible and right. And so they join the military as a means by which to, to serve their family and, and then they learn the dynamics of serving their country. But those people, when many of them, when they come to our community, you know, they're, they've had opportunity to, to get out from mom and dad's, you know, umbrella or covering. Uh, some of them have made mistakes financially because they, they've suddenly have some cash flow. And, and now they're in a point where they're now ready to, to get back on track with the Lord. And what a privilege that we could somehow impact these 20 some year old people sometimes in 30s even and and give them a sense of direction because God's going to continue to direct them. So we really we're really you know focused on teaching the word practically, getting them in the word. That's the one thing they'll carry away from Mountain Home is their relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we we just we just want to be faithful, you know. Amen. Amen. Bottom line so. And the outcome of faithfulness if we're doing things biblically and by the spirit, the outcome will always be that disciples are produced. Well, Dan, I want to give you a couple of minutes uh, as a wrap-up to this podcast discussion to just speak directly to today's senior pastors. So share whatever the Spirit has placed upon your heart. Well, as a you know senior pastor, obviously that means you, you've been a believer for a while, and then God has opened some door, which is what led you into to ministry. But I know this, and this is my word, hopefully I have encouragement, exhortation, 
Remember when you didn't know what to do? Do that. You know, maybe it was when you planted the church. Uh, maybe it was a, a relational crisis. Uh, perhaps when that church split just cut to your heart. What did you do? You, you, I don't mean to stir up some troubling times for pastors and pastors, <laughs> but we've been there. And you humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. You know, and so here's my phrase. Let the God of your salvation be the God of your situation. We have history. We've seen his faithfulness. But right now, today, is, is he the God of this situation? Biblically, are you, you know, drawing near to him? And, and I believe that begins with prayer, you know, to just go and pray. I have the opportunity. I'm very glad for it to just isolate into the desert, but that's not necessary. You know, Jesus really modeled it. He just stepped away from the routine, the regular, and he he actually happened to go out, according to Mark one thirty five, a long while before daylight, separated from the distractions, and there he prayed. And senior pastors, one thing that we get we lose is that personal intimate time with Jesus where we're not petitioning or requesting where we're just sitting at his feet and being renewed and encouraged. I encourage you there, you know, just uh, remember faith, hope, and love, you know, but the greatest of these is is love. And I, and I, I want to encourage, you know, everyone, man, just let God renew you and refresh you. Acts, I think it's 319, you know, in this amazing uh, statement by Peter, he's talking about conversion, but he says, that, that, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And, and I know we need that. I, I need someone to help alongside in this area and fill this gap and take care of Sunday school and some of the, no, I need to be refreshed from the presence of the Lord. And so that's my encouragement. You know, uh, one other thing, you know, our God has great things in store for those who love him. Our God has great things in store for our cities. Wherever we are, you know, understand the dynamics of your city, but get closer to the one who will do the work. And so as the song I referenced, you know, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in your city. And and man, I I would just say finish well, you know, finish well. Paul gave us that exhortation to, to keep the faith. And as I've said, live out the love you've been given. It's so liberating to know, I just want to live out the love I've been given, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how things will change, but I'm going to learn because I've been loved. And those who have been forgiven much, which most of us as senior pastors understand this, mm-hmm. we, we learn to love much. And so do it for what reason? Well, for his glory and your joy. I found myself ending almost too regularly with that phrase, you know, that, God, we pray all these things for your glory and for our joy. Because Jesus did say in John fifteen eleven, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, that we would experience that fullness of his joy just by serving and knowing he's, he's directing us. He's called us faithful and placed us in ministry. May we just say, Lord, show me what to do. And it's, it's, just, it's just amazing, you know. That would be my encouragement, guys. You know, um, just be renewed in the wonderful God that saved you and loves you and equips you. That's it. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, Dan Davis's Bible studies can be found at ccmountainhome.com, where there are a number of other interesting links and resources that you might find helpful for your church's ministry. 
Dan, I want to just thank you again for joining us on Strength for Today's Pastor. It's always great to talk with you and it's always refreshing. I appreciate your time with us this morning. It's been great. Yeah, thank you, Bill. All right. God bless you. Well, before we go, I'd like to encourage you to visit our website at poimanministries.com forward slash podcast. We're now cataloging these podcast episodes for easy reference. So as you visit our website, you'll discover other ways our team can help encourage and strengthen you in your ministry. Also, we'd love to hear your feedback or follow up with any questions you may have about this podcast. Just send us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. And if a question is directed to Pastor Dan Davis, then I'll be sure to make sure that that question goes to him. So from the staff, pastors, and board of directors here at Poyman Ministries, we wish God's very best upon you and your ministry. So long until next week. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Poyman Ministries. You can find us at poinmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church.